when we're laying on our deathbed, you're not going to worry about how much money you had, how much power you had, how much prestige. You're going to see that that was all game, that that was all an illusion. The only thing that's going to matter is the impact you had on other people's lives. We are all on a separate journey. But the beautiful thing about our life here on this earth is at my funeral, they ain't going to talk about my success. They're going to talk about who Nick was and how Nick lived and how Nick loved and encouraged. Success is incredibly important, but even more important than success, it's having an impact. It's knowing you haven't walked the planet in vain. It's knowing that because you've been here, you've blessed lives, you've developed people, and you have made the world a better place. The effect you have on others is the most valuable currency there is. Everything you gain in life will rot and fall apart and all that will be left of you is what was in your heart. Life is a mirror. And life gives us not what we want. Life gives us who we are. When you were born, you cried while the world rejoiced. Live your life in such a way that when you die, the world cries while you rejoice. Landry, we've got a great show. Oh, really? Yeah, this yeah. guy This guy means a lot to me. Like, you know, there's mm -hmm. certain people that you just like, wow, yeah. I like that person. Oh, yeah. I know yeah. what you mean. Jim Palmer. Have you heard of him? Uh, the baseball player? No. 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 Oh, then you must mean the Jim, author. The author. Jim ah. Palmer. Yeah, he he's uh, a really great author. I mean, he's um, he used to be a minister. Oh, he has a master's in divinity at Trinity Divinity School in Chicago. Mm -hmm. You know, and after serving several years... Um, as a pastor, you know, just like something just was missing and he decided to, you know, step out onto his own path and find, you know, a more authentic spiritual connection with, you know, whatever you want to call it, the divine God, uh, whatever. Um, and and so in through doing that, he he started working with people in everyday life and uh, really, you know, found this spiritual connection with people. And was able to, I, I would have to say the way my I interpret it is he was able to connect to God by connecting with people. Um, and, yeah. and so that's what I love. I'm all about people and their stories because we just um, seem to kind of like, oh, well, that person, you know, we don't know their story and we don't know their suffering. But you get in touch with them and you you, you find out that there is just such a deepness to people that we don't get to touch into. And yeah, that's what Jim Palmer's all about. Yeah. And uh, he also is an author um, of a few books and I'll just read them off real quick. Okay. Um, so if anyone, uh, you know, is, is inclined and feels like they want to know more about any of the subjects we talk about, they can easily uh, read up on more of his stuff. His most recent book is Inner Anarchy. It shows how the Christian religion has kind of twisted the true life and message of Jesus, and how it's preached a powerless gospel that's preventing millions of people from being free, and that he challenges people to, you know, find their inner anarchist. Um, he also wrote Notes from Over the Edge, Being Jesus in Nashville, which is a good one. Oh, yes. Um, that's a great one. That's that's I love that one. Yep. Wide Open Spaces. Mm -hmm. And then his uh, first book, which was Divine Nobodies, yes. um, which is just, it talks about, you know, after he walked away from organized religion and professional ministry, he began just like talking about and chronicling a spiritual journey where he, um, you know, met people and, and 
you know, people you wouldn't expect that changed his life in a, you know, spiritually. Yeah. Um, he is an incredible guy to talk to. This, we were really lucky to, oh man. Yeah. He's so good. Yeah. He was very receptive. I think the fact that he is about people was why he allowed us <laughs> right. to stand that up comics that are reason. not known, even in Tulsa, kind of. Occasionally, yep. people recognize me more there you go. for yeah. other reasons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, this is a lot of fun. And so. Um, yeah. Are we'll you just, are you ready we'll to, to dive into your inner anarchy? I am. I, I think. am, too. Yeah. yeah. I gonna, think I've already been there, but let's do this. I'm going to hit a mailbox with a bat. All right. Let's Jim Palmer. I had a lot of questions. I was living in Oklahoma, you know, the traditional Bible belt. So there was not a lot of, um, well, I didn't know anybody that had the same thinking. And uh, I was on Facebook one day and somebody had posted uh, something, a quote from you. And I was like, wow, this is something I think, you know. And so I started following you. And then, of course, I started reading your books and I've kind of become a fan um, and it's just, you know, like I always say, it's just really cool to connect with people that, that, you know, have the same thinking because you feel like you're not alone. And, um, and that's the whole point of this podcast, you know, really is, is letting people know that they're not alone because they question certain things and it's a great thing to do just to carve your own path. No? So, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. How, uh, again, you know, we chatted a few seconds ago, but um kind of give us a brief history uh what where you were and then go from there okay well let's see i guess i'll kind of pick up the story i went to seminary in chicago trinity divinity school got my master's of divinity degree was a pastor at a church in chicago for a number of years and moved to Nashville, starting or was the pastor of a non-denominational church for uh, a string of years and experienced, I guess, for lack of a better word, you know, a bit of a spiritual crisis, you know, despite having all my upstanding uh, Christian, biblical, evangelical theology, despite being, you know, the person who represented God, taught the Bible, you know, the person that others look to for wisdom and understanding and truth, you know, despite all of that, I recognized one day that people who were at church week in and week out and involved in our activities and our programs and our classes and our initiatives and all the things that we do you know, did were not necessarily happy, fulfilled, whole, healed people. And some of the uh some of that brokenness, some of those wounds and star scars, some of that um inability to be free and whole persisted over the years. And I couldn't figure out why that was. And I recognized it was also true within myself. I wasn't free or whole or happy or joyful. There was disharmony within myself. So there was a disconnect between what my theology was about and what was actually showing up in my own life and the life of the people that I, um, you know, led as a pastor of the church. And so... I left the professional ministerial life in pursuit of what well, what's wrong, what was missing, what what you know, why is this? It should not be this way. And that kind of started my journey out of organized religion, so to speak, and that's when I started writing books. You know, the first book was Divine Nobodies, and that's mm-hmm. kind of where that part of the journey started for me. Let me ask you something. Did you, for me, um, you know, I always had this guilt that I wasn't 
doing something right because I didn't feel connected. And I mean, people would say, you know, you'd ever hear people say, maybe not just to me, but other people who were having a hard time and say, well, you're just not praying to Jesus enough or you're just not believing. And it was always thrown back on the person who's struggling. Uh, and I, and so the whole time I carried this guilt of well, what's wrong with him. Why am I not getting my prayers answered? Why, why am I not getting this? I, did you go through this, something similar? Yes. I think it's, a pretty common theme that to try harder, you yeah. know, that, 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 that's kind of what needs to happen is that if it's not working, you're, you're either doing something wrong or you just have to try harder. Yeah. And then what happens is that people try harder. It still doesn't work. And then they start pretending that it works and everybody's living this make believe and pretense and, you know, uh, and we, we kind of, as long as we have the, the right language, this kind of Christian speak, this terminology we use about uh, what the spiritual life is and being, you know, led by the Holy Spirit and relationship with God. You know, I mean, we have a very, you know, um, impressive language that we use to articulate, I think, a reality that few people really experience and i'm not sure that it's a reality that's even realistic or even desirable or possible in some cases you know yeah. let's just take for example relationship with god you know we've all heard it christianity is not a religion it's a relationship but you know you and i can have a relationship because we're both human beings we can see each other we can exchange communication with each other you know, we can actively participate in each other's lives face to face and so on. And, and so it's, you know, to sort of assume that a person can carry on that kind of a relationship with God as spirit, it seems a bit, you know, uh, you know, that's a lot to put on somebody. Sure. There's only two places I know of in the Bible that actually kind of gives a real straight definition of God. One is that God is spirit and the other is God is love. But in either case, you know, to the idea that we have a relationship where we speak to to a person, the person God, and God speaks back to us, and we feel and experience God the way we feel and experience another human being. I don't know. There's, I'm not sure. That's a big burden for many people they don't experience that they don't know well, you know why doesn't god speak to me why can't i feel god why doesn't god you know um reach out to me or or you know what have i done why have i failed yeah yeah definitely and and uh one of the things uh that i've recently been kind of thinking about a lot and, and it's actually uh, I went to your website because I just want to make sure I, you know, I wanted to know as much about your work as possible leading up to this. And like right at the top, you have life is my religion, which is something that I found, um, you know, because as I was working through these different problems in the church and, and not being able to fit in necessarily or not getting the fulfillment I felt like I was supposed to be having. I, I was asking these questions that weren't encouraged um, and, and all this kind of stuff. And I came kind of came across a motto that's very similar to, to what you have here. And um, I, I feel like the big thing is, you know, the relationships are what we have to truly, you know, be involved in um, in order to I guess have a high a better understanding of how to have a better relationship with God, if that makes any sense. I'm sorry, I got kind of convoluted there. No, it, well, it, it makes sense. I mean, like for example, and you know, I, I guess I'm thinking of this, remembering my days as a pastor. Is uh, you know, think about the story of Jesus and the adulterous woman, popular story in the Bible. Okay, so. Jesus did not come to the woman and say, okay, I, I'd like to explain to you how much God loves you. Let me, let me tell you. <laughs> or Jesus did not say, you know, look, why don't you go on, why don't you go to the top of this mountain and, and meditate about God's love? 
you know, let me let me give you some information to read so you can understand about God's love. Jesus didn't say any of that. He didn't do any of that. What Jesus did is he loved the woman yeah. directly. So I think that, um, you know, that it's life is my religion is a phrase that I started that was a prompt for me to remember that, you know, um, that there's that, that every aspect of life is sacred, that we can't divide up the world in, you know, uh, spiritual things and spiritual things. And that in the context of our everyday lives, the people that we interact with, the human relationships with, that, that we have with people, that this is the place that we give love, that we receive love. These are, this is the context in which, the context in which we find and experience the sacred in each other, you know, uh, and so, you know, religion sometimes can divide up things into us and them, you know, sacred and secular, and, and I think it, it blinds us to the, the, the sacredness of all of life that's right before our eyes mm -hmm. to participate in. Yeah. In, in so many different ways. Yeah. So, so what kind of spiritual practice do you have now? Like, it, I mean, what, like, how do you connect with that? Because obviously you were searching for something and you, you know, what, whether it's life or whatever, but, you know, somehow you connect with something and what is it that you do to, to do that? <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know if I really have a consistent set spiritual practice, so to speak. You know, um, I think that, you know, the part of the life is my religion idea Yeah, is that I show up in my life as it is and as it unfolds and a lot of times it's just responding to situations as they require out of love, compassion, understanding. Um, you know, there's, um, there's something of value, I think, that almost every religious, spiritual, or philosophical tradition or, or belief system there's something of value in all of them that can contribute, I think, to expanding and deepening. Mm -hmm. Our, our spirituality and even what it means to be human. But I don't feel a need to kind of subscribe to one entirely. That's why, you know, I, I can't refer to myself as a Christian, although I have a great appreciation for who I've come to understand Jesus to be. I, I wouldn't call myself a Buddhist, but I believe that the Buddha was right in the way that he um, diagnosed the issue of suffering. You know, I'm not, I don't call myself an atheist, but I stand in solidarity with people who can't hold the belief in, in the typical God of religion because I, I don't myself. Right. You know, mm -hmm. I very I've much, got, yeah. I've got a good friend uh, who's an imam at the Islamic Center of Nashville and he is, you know, Muslim and yet he uh, very much affirms um, you know, the, the, the oneness of all humankind, you know, uh, and I think that whether it's, so, you know, I'm this weekend, I'm taking a group of people down to the Baha'i temple and, you know, the Baha'i faith very much holds a belief in, in, you know, um, the oneness of all humankind, you know, uh, I think here's the, here's what I've seen is that Within every religious, philosophical, and spiritual tradition and belief system, you find a rationale for the things that we all know instinctively in our human heart are right. Mm -hmm. We all know that love, compassion, brotherhood, solidarity, mm -hmm. justice, you know, um, building a world of workability for everyone in every religious tradition, you will find those sentiments there. You know, uh, of course, there are extremists and everyone, extremist atheists, extremist Christians, Muslims, Buddhists, whatever. Yeah. 
But I think that at the very heart of most religious traditions, um, there is a rationale for living compassionately in the world. I agree. And so a lot of what I'm trying to do, I think, these days is um, to, to encourage and challenge people to grab a hold of what we all share in common. Um, you know, last night I kind of shared today I was at a humanist meeting and thing I like about humanist is the root word of it, which is human, which I think we need, you know, um, a little, you know, we could all stand to have a little bit more humanity in the world, you know, um, a more robust thinking about, uh, about what it means to be human and being human together, you know, um, I think that, you know, I mean, in some of my books, I've reframed a little bit of what I think the message of Jesus truly was. You know, I think that Jesus did, in my mind, claim to be divine, but to the extent that I believe he was telling people that we all are, we all are both human and divine. Yeah. You know, um, well, it might even be more than that. There might not really be much sense of even dividing the two up to Originally, mm-hmm. like where does the human part in and the divine part start? Start, you know. Um, so, you know, I, I think the essential message of Jesus was that you know the thing that's in me that has compelled me to live my life this way. That same thing is inside of you, and what that thing is, you've got to get a hold of it. Man. Listen to it, embrace it, follow it, express it, not worship me. I agree. I and and you know, even though I I don't uh, at a church, you know, I still go back to my Christian roots and still go back to his teachings, and and I find a deeper meaning of it every time. And and, and it and because I stepped away from traditional path, I find a way deeper meaning in Christ's teachings. And it's cultiv- I found ways to cultivate it where I felt it missing in, in a traditional sense. They didn't show you how to co- cultivate love and forgiveness. Forgiveness is like the hardest thing to do. And it, it's just all head knowledge to me when I was going to church. It was like, forgive. And it's like, okay, well, uh, how? You know, I don't have a handle on that. And Yeah. Well, I, I started seeing that many of the, uh, the core teachings of the Christianity that I was schooled in didn't line up with my reality. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, later I learned that they weren't necessarily core teachings of Jesus, but they did happen to become, you know, um, core, you know, teachings of, of some quarters of the Christian church through history. Yeah. You know, let, let, me, let me give you an example would be, I'm convinced people are fundamentally good. I'm convinced of that. I don't believe that people are fundamentally bad. I don't believe that people were born into the world as sinners. I don't believe people have to be born again to be good. I agree. I think that when people are acting out of hate, greed, selfishness, oppression, injustice, they are not being true to who they really are. They're, They're not doing those things because they're fundamentally like that. They're denying what I believe to be the basic truth of all human beings, which is that we are good. Oh my gosh! Yes, exactly. So, but look, if you if you if you're gonna hear from a, from you know by the time you're five or six years old that you're inherently bad, you were born repulsive to God, and you know um, God rejects you as you are, and if it was really up to God to satisfy His justice, you would spend eternity in hell, you know, under eternal conscious judgment, and then you know the only way out of this was God had to brutalize and murder His only Son on a cross to get you out of it. I mean. You know, look, I I come from a Christian tribe, okay? So I don't say these things because I'm trying to be, you know, I'm, I'm you know, I, I'm, I'm un, un, you know, like intentionally trying to come down hard on Christians because it's my tribe. Yeah. Okay. If I think if we, like, would, I don't know, for lack of better, you know, maybe I, if we would kind of, pull our head out of our ass and look at 
like I think some of the truths that Jesus really lived and got behind that, you know, this world would be a completely different place. If we if we stopped rubbing people their noses and the false notion of their original badness and instead allowed them to really get a hold of their original goodness, then, you know, we'd be a lot further along than we are right now in terms of what's happening in our world. What, there's like, what, 2.5 billion people who claim the label of Christian. We got 2.5 billion people running around the world telling people, you're bad, you're inherently evil, you know, you're repulsive to God, you're nothing without, you know, unless you uh, apply this theological formula, you become born again, these kinds of things, you know. And I just think that we're not, you know, as you know, Christian Christians are not. Um, there's so much more that we could be doing in the world. Just, just loving ourselves right there. That would that would pretty much kind of fix it. I I, I read a uh, I think I was reading a. a a rabbinic type book. I've, I've, I forgot where this is from. I'm going to be real honest. But somebody interviewed a, um, a rabbi uh, at some kind of, I don't know, whatever they do, convention. <laughs> it was like a whole bunch of like uh, rabbis meeting, you know, and somebody was asking an elder rabbi is like, you know, sum up um, your belief in one sentence. And he said, uh, love yourself love your neighbor like you would yourself he goes the rest is just commentary and i was like ah that's beautiful that was so it was just like one of my favorite things i've ever read yeah wow yeah that's that's a perfect example is that you know usually um you find that truth is characterized by being beautiful and simple Mm -hmm. and you know the golden rule is a classic case of that yeah you know I mean, look, I've, I've taught, you know, ethics classes and comparative religion and all this. Look, all you really need is the golden rule. Yeah. That's it. If you apply that one teaching, you know, then it's, you know, it, it, it's not any more complicated than that. And I, I think mean, people get mixed up with that sometimes, mm-hmm. though, don't you? I mean, like, they're like, well, well but I, what if, you know, you just... And I'm like, you know, just do no harm to yourself or other people. That's that's it, you know. Well, well look, if, if what people are saying is, you know, okay, yes, it's true that it, it does require some wisdom even to know in some situations what, what it means to love somebody else, you know. But at least that's the right conversation. Right, right yeah. You know, like, like, for example, you know, let's say you're codependent and your way of loving people is enabling them. Well, you know, that's not helping anybody. But I mean, you know, but at least we're having the right conversation, which is what does it really mean to love somebody in this case? You know, what does it mean to apply the golden rule here? Like, I can deal with that. I can deal with that's the main conversation. Sometimes we screw it up. Right. You know, I, I would take that in a heartbeat if that's kind of if that's what we had you know to to have to deal with but mm-hmm. you know look i i have a spiritual direction practice and i work with people who've been damaged through their religion and one of the main ways that people are damaged is their relationship with themselves they don't trust themselves they don't like themselves they don't care for themselves you know they've spent their life being codependent to God. In other words, I've got to make God happy in order for things to be okay. And so it's no wonder that we're codependent everywhere else. We just learned that we have to deny and lose ourselves in order to make somebody else happy. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And, and I know I spent a lot of time, um, like trying to discover like what the secret was, I guess. Um, I started studying all these different uh, you know, sects of religion, different, different, uh, you know, branches of it and everything like that. And so many of those guide you into, um, like, 
I feel like down the wrong path. They aren't love oriented. They aren't active loving, you know. And, and there was like one specifically uh, called Theomatics, which you know is just like the the numer numerology of the Hebrew and Aramaic and Greek version of the Bible. And the main point of it was that man, when you turned it into numbers, equaled six six six. So that we were inherently evil, which is what we were, you know, talking about. That and and the teachings behind theomatics was basically like, well, it's in the it's it says right there we're evil people, you know. Um, and so I kept running into those things and these different teachings, and it wasn't until I stumbled on kind of this active loving that I felt like maybe I had found something to grasp onto, and then that led into a million other things, you know. Yeah, I think. That, um, you know, you really can't go wrong. Love is a place, a starting point, or, you know, there's a lot of ways to explore and deepen your understanding of love. You know, it's like, I mean, for me, I, you know, there's a lot of people talk about love and, you know, rainbows and unicorns <laughs> and puppies and circus, you know, that kind of like, sappy, sentimental, saccharine love, you know, yeah. versus, okay, I traveled for a period of time with an internet, with, with a human rights organization, and I posed as a customer in brothels where girls 10 to 14 years old are sold mm. to customers to provide sex five to six times a day, six days a week. Oh, God. Okay, so, you know, I sat right there, lock eyes with these girls who were going to be chosen by some man to be brought to a back room to be raped. And, you know, um, so love sometimes means that you, you kick the doors down to a brothel, you arrest brothel owners, you rush the girls out the back door to aftercare NGOs around the world. I mean, mm -hmm. I can't tell you how long the line was at the clinic with these little girls waiting to mm -hmm. get, you know, medication for their STDs. Mm -hmm. So, oh you know, goodness. that's why I think that, that that's why my, the my, the theology that God's going to work all this out in the end just didn't really work there. Yeah. You know, yeah. like the yeah. idea that, look, you know, this phrase, you know, um, everything will be okay in the end. If it's not okay, it's not the end. Well, try to tell that to these girls who are getting raped six times a day. Yeah. Tell them that God's going to work it all out in the end, that someday it's all going to be okay. Justice is one day going to be served. It doesn't work for them. Yes, it works great if you're sitting in Starbucks sipping, you know, your gourmet latte. <laughs> you know, that yeah. theology works. It doesn't work if you're like 80% of the rest of the world. So. Yeah. That's why I like, that's why I still see a lot of value in Jesus, because Jesus loved, but it was a scrappy, gritty mm -hmm. love. Yeah. You know, it wasn't rainbows and unicorns, and it's all going to be okay and again, you know, in the end, and, you know, um, let's just all smile at each other and talk about how fine everything is, you know? Agreed, yeah. So there was a, there was a whole way of loving, and I, you know, like, um, and I, I think, you know, I, being Jesus in Nashville, my conclusion that I eventually came to was that, you know, Jesus was special, not because he's more divine than any of the rest of us, because I don't think he is. I, I agree. Jesus was special because he was more human than most people. It was yeah. his humanity that was the miracle, not his divinity. Right. Yeah. It was. It wasn't, we're all fundamentally, well, if, if you choose to believe this, you know, we, we all share the same essence, but it's something altogether to incarnate and manifest and express that reality in human form. Yeah. It I agree. Guts, it takes guts to do that. Yeah. You know, you might just get strung up on a cross for doing it. <laughs> you know, um, but that's that's the life that Jesus lived. That's the life that he chose. And he's not the only one. But I'm just saying that, you know, I um, there's a lot there that we could grab a hold of if we weren't too busy telling people that, you know, 
they need Jesus has got to punch their ticket to heaven so they yeah. don't go to hell. Yeah, and I know you've talked about this before. I don't remember if I, I read it or I, I watched it somewhere, but about um, the verse of I am the way, the truth, the life, the only way through to, you know, um, no one can come to the Father except through me, Jesus. Uh, and, and I know you've talked about that before, and I feel like it really goes hand in hand here. Uh, what more kind of do you have to say about that specific verse that kind of helps drive home this point you were making? Well, I think that the fundamental um, error among some Christians mm -hmm. is that they built a religion around the person Jesus rather than the message Jesus or even the yeah. spirit Jesus. It all got built around the person Jesus. So that when Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and life, no one comes to the Father said by me, we're thinking that like Jesus talking about him, the person, mm -hmm. versus mm -hmm. the truth that he demonstrated. Right. Is there, there is no other truth. Right. You know, the truth that Jesus lived, the truth that he expressed and demonstrated, that there is no other truth. It was the same truth that the Buddha pointed to. It's the same truth that there, there aren't, you know, there are many paths to unpack that truth. And understand that truth. And I know that there are people that balk at the idea that there is only one truth. And I think that, that, um, I think, you know, way to look at it is that, that Jesus was saying that everything, everything, you know, to be known and experienced as, as, as the deepest truth of our, ourselves and, and this life that we've been given, I, I have lived and demonstrated that truth. And so now it's time for you also to, to do the same. You know, um, it's not that complicated. Um, so I, I don't think Jesus was saying that Please start a religion in my name, and and right, you know, right. and 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 worship Jesus as a human person. Yeah, you know, one thing I I have found, you know, uh, Tennessee and Oklahoma aren't much different. You know, it's there's a lot of uh, it's pretty much still the Bible Belt, um, and I have found that a lot of Christians like. Like deny, like you said earlier, kind of deny their life, and they just kind of wait around till you know heaven, and right. and 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 they're just they've got this life that they're just like they hold themselves up in their house, they avoid society because they you know don't want to be blemished, and they miss out on this wonderful messy life, you know, waiting. For that day, you know, Jesus is going to come back or they just die or whatever. And I, I, what I really, really, really love about you is that you, you have a desire to see the best in everybody, um, and see, you know, like you said, the divine. And I, I just, I just think that that is the best way to, to live life. I, I can't put that on other people, but for me, the more I do that, the more at peace I am within. Yeah, well, I, I think that none of us knows with certainty what happens when we die. Okay, like, until you die, you don't know. Right. Um, so that's the fact. Is that you know you, it's unknowable, and so why are we all wrapped around the axle on what happens when we die when we we don't know till it happens anyway, as opposed to being fully vested in the life that we have right now? Mm -hmm. You know, you know who Jim Morrison is? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so the great prophet Jim Morrison has that quote where he says that something like, you know. There is no eternal reward that will forgive us for wasting the dawn, something like that. In oh, other words, like yeah. there, 
there. So I I don't get it. I don't I don't understand. You know, um, we have this life. It is a gift, and our our you know we should be embracing it fully, not waiting. You know, and what and you know, and that you know we we sometimes don't take responsibility for ourselves or for the world because we have this idea that, you know, it's, you know, it's all going to, you know, we're all going to end up going to heaven anyway. The ones that really know God and the rest are going to be sorted out however they are, you know, and all these different things. And so we, freedom is frightening to a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. You know, we, we just, we don't want to take responsibility, you know, for the choices that we make, you know, and, it's like what I have sometimes shared with people, which is that, you know, people wonder why God would allow so much suffering in the world when the real question is, why do we allow so much suffering in the world? That's the question. Mm-hmm. God has nothing to do with it. God's not doing anything. Yeah. I, yeah, I and, love that. I love, I, I think that was one of the memes that I found that directed me to you, in fact. <laughs> Well, and I even, you know, there was a chapter in Wide Open Spaces where I, uh, I think the title was entitled, you know, the Sat- Satan Wears 501, or I can't, it was, the idea is that we got to quit pawning stuff off on Satan and spiritual battles, mm-hmm. demons and legions. You know, look, this world is screwed up because we're screwing it up. End of story. Yeah. It even says that in the Bible, James says, why are there all these wars and quarrels and conflicts out here? And he says, isn't it because they, they're in your side yourself? Your disharmony with yourself is what causes the disharmony in the world. You have to clean it up within yourself before we're going to see, you know, um, anything different in the world. That's why Gandhi said, be the change, you know, that you wish to see in the world. Mm-hmm. But, you know. We don't want to take responsibility. We want to pray that God's going to change it because we don't want to do it ourselves, and God's not going to change it. Right. There is there is no God separate from our actions that's going to do anything in the world. Yeah. I agree. I, I, I yeah. think um, it's my idea of whatever that is, God. Um, I think that's where I get my gut instinct, the internal dialogue I have, to say, you know, go do this, take care of this, and stuff like that. And, and and then, you know, for me, up until, you know, I don't know, six, seven years ago, I I still ignore it, you know? Like, I, I'm just like, that's, that's crazy. But the times I stepped out and just listened to that internal dialogue, and, you know, I, I found that connection with God or the divine. And to me, by living from there what whatever it is 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 i i think that's what for me that's what you're talking about that's how i identify with it i'm not saying that that's how you but yeah 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 and i I do think that it you know the more that god is a word that we chose to approximate something that is beyond comprehension so almost every religion agrees that God is incomprehensible, and then we go out and we try to print on the back of the church brochure who God is. Yeah, yeah. Even even though we all agree that whatever that is, it can't be known in its totality, or or even should be, or I don't even what, I don't even know what that would be. I yeah, mean, yeah, you know, yeah. Like, um, so. You know, it's in our language, it's in, you know, uh, I just think that what seems to be true is there is a simplicity to it, and I, I think there's kind of a tacit sort of understanding or intuitive knowing or something that we feel deep inside our hearts that point us to what is what is real and what is true, um, and it really can't be learned in a book or 
you know, it's, we complicated quite a bit. Oh, you yeah, know, the definitely. Dalai Lama is probably, you know, I don't know, probably not that many people understand, you know, Buddhism to the extent that perhaps he does. You know, and he walks out on stage and he, he starts laughing and says, you know, religion is my kindness. That's his kindness. I don't have anything else to say. Goodbye. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, he also um, starts out his uh, talks almost every time. Everybody wants to be happy. And to me, I like that. I love that. I like I like that start, you know, because that's the whole definition of life is wanting to find that happiness and joy. Yeah. Yeah. And our suffering. <laughs> yeah, and even, well, and, yeah, so we, and, and even the, you know, that's something that we can offer to each other. You know, I think. Jesus was a people magnet because Jesus offered what we want from each other, belonging, love, validation, affirmation, a safe place to be ourselves, you know, the ability to ask our questions and be accepted, and, you know, to be looked at without eyes of judgment and things like that. Yeah, definitely. So um, you're just, uh, so what are you working on now? Like what is, um, you know, are you, uh, you're getting ready to, you released or? Getting ready to release it, aren't you? A new book? I'm working on um, a book entitled Human by Fire. Yeah. And it's going to be a, a daily reader, 365 reflections on um, embracing a more human spirituality. Oh, wow. And yeah, cool. And it's, you know, it's, it does have some, you know, uh, it's, I wouldn't say it's really, it's not really religious detox, although I think that it will be useful for a person who's wanting to sort of recondition maybe some of their thinking about, you know, who they are in the world, you know, coming out of maybe some of those religious mindsets um, that, did have been, you know, some of those beliefs and mindsets and doctrines and ideologies that people absorb into their lives through religion. Um, so I'm 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 working on that, and I've, you know, um, gotten quite involved in the interfaith, trying to read, find some better way to identify it than to refer to it as interfaith because. It needs to be inclusive, whether you're agnostic, humanist, atheist, people with no faith or belief in the supernatural. I mean, we all should be connected into a conversation about what it is that makes us all one, what is it that we all share in common, and how can we work together to build a world that works for everybody. Yeah. And yeah. people are divided along, so it's not just different religions, it's even, you know, people with no, you know, I mean, but I've I've good friends who are atheists, and sometimes I'll tell some of them, look, you know, you guys and gals, you know, you can't have it both ways. Right. Okay. If you want, I love Sam Harris and agree with ninety percent of the stuff he says. But when he says that all religion is mental illness, that's kind of a conversation ender. Yeah. For yeah. for people who find religion to be a meaningful path for themselves, and you know. Personally, I don't think religion is going away. And so as a more of a pragmatist, what I'm trying to get at is, is people acknowledging within any belief system or tradition that they follow the, the message and the values that can unite us all in one. Yeah. I think it's there, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I like that because I have learned so much from um I've got a I've got several friends who are atheists and are deeply they're they have they're more connected to that than than I see some people who are in religion and it's just like it's amazing, you know, and it's like I used to be afraid of atheists. I don't, I don't know if I thought they were going to eat children or what, but yeah. I was genuinely afraid of atheists. Anybody, anything that was close to Christianity, like I wasn't afraid of Jews, but anything outside of that, like they scared me. 
Yeah. Like, truly, it was so weird, but I, I think that's inconceivable now, but, um, well, yeah. you know, Abraham Maslow created what he called the hierarchy of needs, and, and Abraham Maslow basically pointed out that all humans want the same things. You know, at the bottom of that triangle, we all want to survive. We need food, shelter, water, you know. You move up that triangle and you start getting to more emotional needs like we all want love, belonging, self-respect. You know, at the top of the triangle, Maslow said that human beings seek self-actualization. We want the experience of realizing our fullest potential. And near the end of his life, he added transcendence. The idea was that all human beings ultimately want to participate in something just bigger than themselves. So, you know, uh, in my view, you know, we all human beings, we essentially want the same things. We're, we are afraid of the same things. I mean, you know, it, there's so much our humanity connects us in very profound ways. And so, you know, whether you're atheist, Jewish, Christian, Muslim, you know, whatever it is, um, there is a, our humanness makes us one human family our humanness ties us all together as one you know uh and that is enough of a basis to um you know come together in human solidarity for for a common goodwill to you know create a world that's workable for everyone you know um and so you know I guess I thought of that, but it's not until you actually meet an atheist, become a friend with an atheist, you walk through suffering with an atheist, you know, like, um, I once did an exercise with a group of people and they're all like, I separate them according to their label, you know, Muslim, atheist, you know, Jewish, you know, and then I would ask a question and have them go to the middle of the room if this question applied to them. How many people here have suffered profound loss how many people here have experienced deep heartache um how many people here would do about anything for the well-being of their children i ask these questions and you know people start coming to the middle the Jew comes to the middle, the Christian, the atheist, you know, and they start seeing, wow, we, we've all walked through these things. We all want the same things. Yeah. You know, it, it usually happens sometimes in, in tragedy, right? After, yeah. you know, after 911, what did we say? We are all New Yorkers. Yeah. You know, like, it's not, it's not North or South and I hate <laughs> New Yorkers. We were all New Yorkers then. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like um, my brother was like tormented me, like typical brother. He just beat me up all the time, you know, and pestered me. But anybody else pesters with me, you know, pesters me, you know, messes with me. That's my sister. You know, you don't mess with. And I think that's kind of how that is. I mean, I think human nature is like we want to like fuss and fight. But when it, you boil it down. Yes. Yeah, that's the way I felt about, about the, you know, the, the um imam at the islamic center yeah you know he said he said jim islam is like what 1400 years old isis is basically four years old it started out of the mess in syria so he's like okay let me get this right you're you know people are going to judge islam which is 1400 years old based on a group of people that are four years old yeah you know that are extremists that he denounces and even putting all that aside, here's the deal. I would go to the mat for that guy. Yeah. I would trust my daughter with that guy. I would be there for him, and he would be there for me, and I know that for a fact. And that's all. That's what matters. Yeah. 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 Well, look wow. at all the um, Muslims in India. You don't see them getting all. I mean, it happens, but it's just like so many millions. Um, of Muslims, and then you know, you just take it, it, it's really no different. And I, I know a lot of people would disagree with me, but it's not any different from Hitler or the KKK saying, I'm doing this for Jesus, you know, it's it's the same I mean, thing, it's yeah, extremism, I mean, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. We can all agree there are some people who claim to be Muslims who right. are 
know, extremist, violent, hateful people. There are people who claim to be Christians, but they're mm-hmm. hateful, violent. You know, there are people who claim, you know, I mean, yes. there's always going to be some people. It's always been this way where they will rationalize in God. They're, they're otherwise, you know, they're self-serving, sociopathic, you know, agenda. I mean, it was just like, like, that's just going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I, um, you know, another thing, uh, you know, I, I think with, with living life like this, you allow a space, a container to let people be who they are. And when you do that, you create more authentic relationships. Anytime I'm around somebody that just can't be naturally themselves and, and I feel like I can't like, you know, I can't share parts of me. Um, you know, after knowing them over, you know, I mean, first time I meet them, I'm not going to like tell them everything, but, but, you know, after a while, you know, a relationship evolves, you should have that authenticity. And, and some people just are so afraid to even go there. And, um, I, I just, I really feel that this approach offers that, you know, of, of loving others. You, you, it's just as their self without, without any agenda to change them get their address and send them a mail every week saying, you know, you ought to believe the way I believe yeah. you, you provide a very authentic relationship with other people when you do that. Yeah. And yeah. I think that, you know, it's, um, that's not always easy, but it, no. if you're committed to it, it, there's no reason that it, that it can't happen. You know, I mean, it's when people start getting real, then shit hits the fan. But if you're, if you can navigate through that, then you come out on the other side with real community and not not pseudo community, you know, something that's right, yeah, it's got some real, you know, substance to it. So I think that the idea partially is to get to a place with people where you can be all of who you are inside of all of who they are, and all of who they are can happen inside of all of who you are. But it's not that's not easy. You know, you have to work at that. Oh yeah, you know, like yeah, like even the, you know, like. I don't, you know, we're we're never going to get along based on the idea of agreement. It's going to have to happen on the basis of acceptance because we're not going to agree on everything. Oh, right. right. Yeah, yeah. You look at this you know political I mean? climate and, you know, you see people that have expressed one opinion that, devi- opinion that deviates from what traditionally that side has done. And they're like, get rid of that person. And it's like, oh, wow. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, there's there's never going to be harmony in the world based on agreements of beliefs. Right. You know, and I don't think there needs to be, but there does have to be a fundamental acceptance of one another that's the foundation of our diversity, even in our beliefs, you know, um, and... And you have to work at that, you know. I mean, it's you're you're it's not easy to do that. I mean, if it if it was easy, we'd all be doing it. But this is the kind of thing that we should be teaching our kids. This is what we should be doing in our communities. This is the kind of work, you know. Um, again, like you know, even oneness. You know, we could talk about oneness and it's, you know rainbows and ponies and unicorns and stuff. But we got to get down to the real work of me and you being in a room or a group of people and being honest and real and working through it. Yeah. Whether it's issues of race or religion or sexual orientation or whatever it happens to be, you know? I I think, you know, here, I, you know, for me, it seems like uh, Christ's teachings are like really kind of uh, coming home, uh, you know, like, you know, like you were saying one, you know, you were saying that we're all one. You know, I think he hints. I think I think Christ dropped a lot of hints, and he, it's like a to me, it's kind of like a scavenger hunt, where it's like, oh, this is what he really meant—like one body, many parts. I thought it was like Christian denominations. Now my idea is just yeah. all sentient beings. You know, mm-hmm. th- that we're all the same, and we all want the same, and and there's just so much in you know, even just. I know when Christ said it, I think it was in Timothy, where it says, work out your own salvation. You have to allow other people to work out that. Yeah. Right, and, that's why, well, I mean, I would, 
I've been working on a project called the Religion Free Bible. Uh-huh. Yeah, I and remember that. Yeah. Yeah, I pick it up and work on it every now and then because I do think that that people impose an understanding on everything that's in the Bible, you know, and there's a different way to look at it, like what you're saying. You know, that there are sometimes we already think we know yeah. Yeah. Like those, like you're saying, those Bible verses and the things Jesus said. You know, there there can be a different, you know, like it starts looking differently when you come out from under like that more rigid way of understanding. Yeah. yeah. Everything that Jesus said. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No. I. I, totally I agree. Yeah. I agree. Um. I. Um. You know, for me, I think the biggest thing uh, that I have really experienced this this year, especially, is um, forgiveness and the power of that. Uh, forgiving something that just, you know, even might be even unforgivable. And it's so hard, you know. And I'm not saying just to ignore the pain and, and forgive them. I'm truly allowing that, you know, to feel that pain. But then accepting them for who they are and you were talking about acceptance and for me there's a couple of people in my life that I wanted them to accept me and the whole time I was not really accepting them and through just cultivating my own practice of forgiving others I found myself actually allowing them to be themselves and it was like wow that's like magic like, that's yeah. not even a miracle. Yeah. It's just a magic trick, you know? I just, it was amazing that that happened. And I was like, I'm okay with them being that way now. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I just think that that, I, I think people underestimate the power of forgiveness. Um, it Because it's so hard because you have to feel that pain. You have to go through it and not spiritually bypass those emotions of anger disappointment, grief, rage, whatever. Right. But, well, uh, I think it's 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 true that we all are hurt by others and we all hurt others. Both yeah. of those things are true. It's a so fact. Yeah. You your you yourself have hurt people and people have hurt you. Sure. Right. Yeah. You know, and and I think that of course, the trick would be, not the trick, but it would be a noble thing to seek to not intentionally hurt someone else. But even that, we can't do perfectly. Sure. Yeah. Sure. So, anything else that you, uh, before we wrap it up, anything like you're just aching to talk about that you haven't in a book or a post or whatever? I don't think so. I think that... Um, after you know my first couple of books, I realized that it, it touched a nerve, and that a lot of people are against religion, mm-hmm. and yeah. rightfully so, especially if you're a person who was greatly hurt and damaged in your religious experience. But I think that where I've kind of come to is is come to the realization that you know um, I've also got to be willing to walk and live the alternative you know it's yep. it's true that resisting what we don't like or even opposing it and subverting it or even toppling it all together can have value but i would also say that we also have to be an expression of the alternative what are we for okay what are we trying to be what does it look right. like if it's not this then what is it who are we trying to be as as humankind you know and so let's not just like be defined by what we are against let's be an expression of what we are for uh in our lives and so you know i think that that's people sometimes can get stuck and develop an identity out of being against religion and i you know i think that Everyone, a lot of people go through that, yeah. but they just don't want to get stuck there forever. Oh, yeah, I think there's more, more to get to as you, you know, to just kind of keep going through it 
and not get stuck in the anti-religion mode, you know, forever. And I I think you certainly do that. I think you are all about, you know, seeing the best in others and not getting stuck. You push through that, like it's, it's a wall kind of, and you push through it and it's just so much more liberating. Yeah. And I will say, I I really appreciate, um, the work you're doing and and your willingness to embrace the, the messiness of love and the messiness of spirituality and all that kind of stuff. It, it really is inspiring for a lot of people, um, that kind of have that similar, uh, notion to want to do that, but don't know if they can. Um, so I will say that I, I know I do, and a lot of other people really appreciate your, your work and expression in that, in that field. Definitely. Yeah, and I think that your podcast is a contribution of significance to that, you know, for you to kind of have the dialogue, the conversation where other people can hear what it's like for other people working through this. A lot of people feel alone. They feel like they're not understood. They feel like that nobody will, you know, hear where they are. And so to that extent, I think your podcast offers that to people. And, you know, I think that that's a very significant contribution that you know needs to be made that you're making good i well I, we certainly hope so that was that that definitely is the intent so yeah and and thank you so much you. for for yeah, coming on and talking yeah it was a real honor i, yeah. I enjoyed yeah. it i have a huge respect for what you do and uh and keep going i just love it yeah good yeah. stuff uh, we'll and, do it again sometime. Yeah. yeah, and we'll definitely uh, we'll route everybody to your website and everything like that, so they can check you out and and read up on you. All right, Jim Palmer, thank you. All right, Bye. see you later. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Well, that was Jim Palmer. That was amazing. Oh man, that was such a good conversation. Oh my goodness, I I love people like that. Yeah. Oh man, I'm because I found my inner anarchist. I'm gonna get a mohawk now. Yeah, really? Uh, yeah. yeah. Will that work good we, on me? I'm gonna go get tattoos. Oh, like, yeah. we are gonna that be the be spiritual we'll podcast be, hosts yeah. ever. <laughs> get some piercings for our faces. I'll probably change my mind this way. I didn't like that tattoo. <laughs> can you? Can I get my money yeah, back? Yeah. Can I not have this? <laughs> um, again, Jim Palmer was it was such a good talk. Um, if you want to find out more about him, you can go to jimpalmerauthor.com. Um, you'll know it's his website because it has like my favorite quote ever right at the top, which is "Life is my religion." Um, that's what I'm going to remember throughout the week and kind of think about um, until the next episode, I guess. All right, have a good night. Thank you, guys. Bye. Bye.